This evening we're looking at Psalm 103, verses 4 and 5, and the title is Crowned and Satisfied, Crowned and Satisfied. We shall continue to look at the benefits that King David blessed the Lord for. One thing that can be said with certainty about all of the benefits, including the ones that we're going to be looking at tonight, is that they were the kind that endure. They were spiritual blessings that David received, and that's why he stirred up his soul to bless the Lord, and not his mouth. He stirred his soul, and not his mouth. In verse 4, David, speaking to himself about the Lord, said, Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Have a look at verse 4 there. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? We looked at the first part last week, but we're looking at the second part there. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? Before considering what David was crowned with, it's as well to understand that the crown that David was referring to was not like the crown that Her Majesty the Queen wears on her head, neither was it like the crown that David took off the King of Ammon. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 29 to 30, it is written, David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah, fought against it and took it. Then he took their king's crown from his head. Its weight was a talent of gold with precious stones. And it was set on David's head. In Psalm 103 verse 4, the verse that we're looking at now, we can be sure that David was not blessing the Lord for the crown that he took from uh, the king of Ammon. When you think about the crowns of this world, they are visible, they are outward signs of the person wearing it being exalted, being honoured and being adored by who? By fellow people, fellow human beings and they are not just jewel encrusted things that are worn on the head. They may take the form of a gold medal for running a race faster than all the other competitors or perhaps for performing some act of gallantry. So the crown may actually take the form of a medal. Also a crown of distinction may take the form of some fancy title before a name. None of those crowns will endure. Though they may have value in the world, and no doubt they do have value in the world, they count for nothing to the recipient once that recipient dies. The recipient of the crowns that are received from this world cannot be taken beyond the grave. The recipient parts company with those crowns at death. He leaves all his crowns, all his medals behind at death. When David was blessing the Lord for crowning him, That word crown speaks of being compassed 
or surrounded or encircled. Let me give you some examples. In 1 Samuel chapter 23 verse 26, it is written, Saul went on this side of the mountain and David and his men on that side of the mountain and David made haste to get away for fear of Saul. For Saul and his men compassed David and his men round about to take them. In that verse, the Hebrew word for crown is translated compass. It's the same word that we have in Psalm 103 and verse 4. King Saul surrounded, he compassed David and his men. And that's an example of being encircled by your enemies. In Psalm 5 verse 12, there's an example of being encircled, not by the enemies, but by the Lord and by his protective care, where it is written, For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous, with favour wilt thou compass him as with a shield. Again, the Hebrew word for crown is translated compass. And it's when a Christian is surrounded by wickedness or crowned with wickedness that he may be very conscious of being crowned or compassed by God and his protective care. That was my experience less than a week ago. Tomorrow it will be a week ago. I was quite literally surrounded or compassed by pro-death students outside the Isle of Man College. But I can quite honestly say, this is my testimony, what I remember most about that is being compassed by God's protective care. So I was compassed or surrounded, encircled by both. By both the, the powers of evil and, of course, God himself and his protective care. And that is often the case. If you're a Christian, you can, I'm not saying you go out and you look for trouble, but it's when you are surrounded by, um, by forces which are opposed to the gospel, opposed to the Lord Jesus Christ, opposed to almighty God and his word, that you feel the protective care of God. That was certainly my experience last Monday and many other experiences, similar experiences that I've had. And last Monday, the Lord compassed me as with a shield. I and others would have that as our testimony. Coming back to Psalm 103 and verse 4, David said to his soul, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. If you're with me so far and you understand what it means to be crowned in this verse, and it's not wearing a thing on top of your head. David wasn't wearing those benefits from the Lord on his head. He wasn't wearing loving kindness and tender mercies perched on his head. He was surrounded by them. Again, what a lovely experience that is. That's the experience of a Christian, someone trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, someone who is found in Jesus. 
found in him, surrounded by him. As Jesus said himself, my sheep will never perish. He spoke about his sheep being safe in his hand and in the hand of his father. Safe, double safe, forevermore. Completely compassed by almighty God. With regards to the loving kindness that David was compassed by, of all the 248 times that the Hebrew word is found in the Old Testament, 149 times, that's well over half of the times, it is translated as mercy. Loving kindness is more often than not translated mercy, or the Hebrew word is, compared with 30 times where it is translated loving kindness as in verse 4 here. The reason I'm telling you this is to show you that loving kindness clearly speaks of mercy, God's mercy and his pity towards his redeemed. That's what you see in um, verse 4 there. Who crowneth thee, surroundeth thee with his, ten, with his mercy and his pity. But also David was crowned with tender mercies according to verse 4. And that too, of course, speaks of God's mercy. But also it speaks of his compassion and his tender love towards his people. Not towards everyone, but towards his people. Those who are trusting in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very, very special love and compassion that God has for his redeemed. It's a covenantal love the love of a heavenly father for his children. Dear Christian, God demonstrated his great love for you at the cross where he laid upon his beloved son, his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the iniquity of your sins and the risen saviour has himself said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And now he surrounds you with his mercy, his pity, his compassion and his covenantal love. It's quite a mouthful that. You'd have to think about each one of those things and you could think about each one of them for a long, long time and never grow weary, never grow bored of thinking about God's God surrounding you with his mercy, his pity his compassion and his covenantal love. In Psalm 23, David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And then at the end of that psalm, I I never... um, Stop short. I I always love to mention the last part of Psalm 23. What does David say? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Those kinds of crowns, the rod and the staff, Spurgeon described as the enzymes of God's sovereignty and gracious care. I never thought of that before. The rod and the staff that comfort you. They are the enzymes of God's sovereignty and his gracious care. And if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, 
the great shepherd of the sheep, they remain with you even in death. About 2,000 years ago, the Lord Jesus Christ, he made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Where he was crowned, he was compassed by dogs. If you look at not literally the four-legged variety, wicked people, wicked men. At Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ, you can see it in Psalm 23. Dogs have surrounded me. Dogs have compassed me. Oh yes, Jesus was crowned at Calvary, surrounded by wicked men. And of course, he was quite literally crowned with thorns. But now he is highly exalted by God, having taken away the sins of all who trust in him. Therefore, don't seek to be crowned with the glory of the world. A glory that is nothing more than cheap and nasty trinkets compared to the crown of loving kindness and tender mercies given to you by God. There's no comparison really, is there? Far better to have the crown of loving kindness and tender mercies than the cheap trinkets of this world. Far better to prostrate yourself before God in repentance and receive King Jesus as your Lord and as your Saviour and be crowned with his loving kindness and be crowned with his tender mercies. Let's have a look at verse 5. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. In verse 5, David was saying to his soul that his youth is renewed like the eagle. What are we to make of that? What does it mean to be renewed like an eagle? Looking at Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31 may help you to understand what that means. In that verse, Isaiah 40, verse 31, it is written, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Therefore, having your youth renewed like the eagle, is about having a renewed spiritual vigour and a renewed spiritual activity. To help us further understand what it means to be renewed like the eagle, we can contrast it with what is actually said in (coughs) Psalm 102. We don't have to go far for that. Psalm 102, which is a prayer of the afflicted, when the psalmist is overwhelmed and he pours out his complaint before the Lord. Have a look at Psalm 102, verses 5 through to 7. By reason of the voice of my groaning, my bones cleave to my skin. I am like a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. I watch and am as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. 
very different, isn't it, to being renewed like the eagle, having your youth renewed like the eagle. And verse 10 in Psalm 102, Because of thine indignation and thy wrath, for thou hast lifted me up and cast me down. It sure sounds like a very miserable existence, doesn't it? In this particular case, the allusion is probably to the former prosperity of the psalmist and of Israel generally before their captivity and their misery in Babylon. There is clearly a sense of God's judgment upon them. That is the immediate context. I could certainly, I can relate to that in my own little way. That's what I've just read to you there in Psalm 102, verse 5 to 7. That's sometimes how I feel when I'm fast bound in sin. I think you know what I mean, each one of you. Anything you feel, anything but uh, being, having your youth renewed like an eagle. More like a pelican of the wilderness, an owl of the desert. And that's what sin does to you, isn't it? Psalm 32 is another one, isn't it? The hand of God heavy upon me. Why? Because of sin. The hand of God heavy upon you. Your, your, your moisture is dry like the drought of summer. Your, your tongue cleaving to the roof of your mouth. Sin impacting on your physical health. In everything. Very, very different to what we're considering now in verse um, 5. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. So coming back to that, Psalm 103, verse 5. David was soaring high above the mountains with a renewed vigour. And that was because the Lord had satisfied his mouth with good things. We're told that there in the verse. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Again, we need to remember that the benefits that David blessed God for were spiritual. He wasn't blessing God for um, having a, the crown that he took off the king of Ammon or anything else like that. As such, he was feeding and feasting upon the Lord and his manifold blessings such as the things we've been considering over the weeks, the forgiveness of all his iniquities. I love that word all, not just some but all his iniquities. Same same with you, Christian. I go on about these things, but I, I still, I love to say it. I love to read it. I love to say it. And I hope that's the same with you. When you read these verses, the Lord has forgiven me all my iniquities. That's amazing. That is worth meditating upon. It really is. And praising God for. And, uh, and all of these wonderful benefits Wonderful benefits from the Lord. That David, he was feasting 
upon the word of God, feasting upon the Lord, those manifold blessings, the healing of all his diseases. We saw that as well. The redemption of his life from destruction. The loving kindness, the tender mercies. David was being fed. Truly fed. Dear Christian, Having your youth renewed like the eagles is not complicated. It means feeding upon and filling your soul with the word of God, such as we're looking at in Psalm 103, feasting upon these things and attaching the same importance to it as you would to feeding your body with food. Perhaps you had a lovely Sunday dinner today and you enjoyed it, you fed your body, maybe you overfed your body, How about overfeeding your soul with the word of God if it were possible to overfeed your soul? Of course it's not. You can never get too much of the word of God. In order to rise above your present circumstances and soar into heavenly places, feed your soul with the Lord Jesus Christ who is the bread of life. He is the living bread that came down from heaven. Fill your mind with the word of Christ. Meditate upon it. Let it dwell richly in you. It's as simple as that. Yet it never ceases to amaze me how the Lord's people neglect to spend time immersed in the Bible and living their lives accordingly. You cannot live a biblical life, a life that is pleasing to God, if you neglect to feast upon the word of God. It it doesn't happen that way. Invariably, when a Christian has taken his eyes off Jesus, there is no sense of being surrounded by the loving kindness and the tender mercies of the Lord This is when you take your eyes off the word of God. The same thing. We keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus when we're reading about him and meditating upon him. Like the psalmist in Psalm 1. Meditating upon the word of God. Day and night. And that's why I would encourage you to to memorise some of these verses. And take them away with you. Verses 1 to 5. Well worth memorising and you can take them to work with you. You can you can take them with you when you're driving your car. And you can keep focused on Jesus as well as on the road when you're driving along. But so many Christians seem to neglect that and it's such an important thing to do. And so what happens... The Christian is overwhelmed by the storms of life or else he is in free fall, ensnared by sin. A word for the unsaved. Last of all, verse 5, let's have a look at it again. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Verse 5 speaks of being satisfied. If you are not trusting in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, then 
respectfully I say, I don't care what you say. The fact of the matter is you are never, ever going to be truly satisfied unless you come to Jesus as a repentant sinner. It's just not true that someone who is who does not know Jesus as Lord and Saviour, can be truly satisfied. Because we see in here, in verse 5, that the Lord satisfieth thy mouth with good things. The Lord does these things. And he does these things to people who are trusting in Jesus. People who have repented of their sins and received Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. So don't tell me that you are fully satisfied if you don't belong to Jesus. It doesn't make sense. You won't kid me, and I don't think you can kid yourself either. Jesus once said to a woman who had drawn water from a well for him, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That sounds good, doesn't it? Do you not want that water from Jesus? The living water? That water that endures, that doesn't leave you being thirsty later? A water that satisfies your soul, forevermore. That comes from Jesus. Where we read in verse 5 here, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, that is about being satisfied by Jesus. Feeding on him, drinking the living water of spiritual blessings that Jesus gives. Jesus was speaking about the continual flow of God's grace. That's the living water. That's the water that he gives. That continual flow of grace from heaven. Such as the forgiveness of what? All your iniquities. Here we go again with the preceding verses. And all your iniquities means past sins, present sins, and alas, future sins. Forgiveness of all those sins. Deliverance from darkness being transferred into the kingdom of God. Knowing God as a loving heavenly father being surrounded by his grace in trials and in sorrow. Having a certain hope of going to be with your God and saviour when you get your home call. So much more. That living water that Jesus gives. You see what I mean now? If you don't belong to Jesus, don't tell me that you are satisfied because it doesn't wash. May it please God for each one of you to be satisfied with good things so that your your youth is renewed like the eagles. Having been forgiven for all your iniquities, having been redeemed from destruction, having been crowned with loving kindness and tender mercies through faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.